Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? How much? It's been a week here. <laughs> it's Massive Late Fee. It is October 6th, 1995. By the time you're listening to this, but breaking news for us, the OJ verdict is in, Carol. Yep. Not guilty on all counts of murder. What do you think? Opinions. He's not guilty. But, but, but he is. You think so? Don't you? You were questioning when Mark Furman was invoking the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination, about the planting the glove and stuff like that, you were like, eh, I don't know. It's weird that he would do that. It is weird that he would do that. It is weird. It is weird. They found his blood or whatever at the scene. They found her blood in his truck at his house. Seems open and shut to me. Plus whatever the hell they're talking about, this DNA stuff. I mean, where they contest the DNA. How would his blood be there if he wasn't the killer? I don't know. Did he like go to the crime scene and bleed the, all over it and leave? They planted it. How do they have his blood? They've got everyone's blood. Okay, now we're getting this <laughs> crazy town. They got a big refrigerator with everyone's blood in it. Sure, sure they do. They could have made it look like us. We did it. <laughs> It's the hosts of Massive Late Fee. They did it. For sure. No, I mean, it's just, yeah, if there's blood. We didn't like what they said about, I, I don't know, uh, airheads. <laughs> what movie we talked about. It seems, it seems like he probably did it. But the jury said he didn't do it. And they heard everything and we didn't. So. And now Los Angeles does not burn down. Yeah. That's the upside of it. The downside of it is he probably got away with double murder. Probably. So is it worth it? All of the city of Los Angeles, two random people no one had ever heard of before this. Well, that's not true. What do you mean? Um, people had heard of... Uh, you were a big fan of Los Angeles Waiters? His wife. You got Los Angeles Waiters Weekly? <laughs> Ron Goldman was on the cover five weeks in a row. No. Least likely to lose his head when there's a lunch rush. <laughs> I, I I think people have heard of his wife is all I'm saying. Nicole Brown Simpson. Yes. I don't know. I guess maybe. I, I never I hadn't heard of her before this. I don't know. I mean, I barely heard of OJ before this. The tasty breakfast drink or... Literally, the only reason I knew who he was is because we watched that movie that he was in. And the Naked Gun. You brought up, you know, the football stuff. Yeah. But Buffalo Bills, 2,000 yards, care one season. I don't football, so. US, USC, he went to USC, yeah. A Bruin. I don't know, did, did he ever offer an explanation as to why his blood was there? No. So, I, I don't know, without that, that seems... He probably did it, but now... It's like legally he didn't do it. Right. He could come out right now and say, I did do it. And they couldn't do anything because of double jeopardy. Wow. 
What a thought. He can no long, He can't be tried for this crime ever again, except in the civil court because he's going to be tried in this uh, for a civil trial, and we'll see what happens. So, what happens if he loses in the civil trial? He owes money. Yeah, he owes money to the Goldman and Simpson families, I guess, or whatever. Oh, I'm or sure I mean, that that makes Browns. up for it. Well, you know, how much cash is your child's life worth? I guess. I mean, I wouldn't even want the money. Would you, you? wouldn't. Yeah, I'd take it. Somebody killed your family member and and then was like, but I'll pay you, uh, you know, a hundred thousand or a million dollars or something. You would be like, OK, well, I'll take the money. Here's since they're the, already dead. You're, you're, you're talking about a false choice. OK, so would the Goldman's say we'll forego the civil trial if you find him guilty in the criminal trial and he goes to prison? I'm sure they absolutely would take that. But it's about justice. Right. So they didn't get justice here. So make him destitute, you know, inflict some kind of pain on his life, you know, financial in this case. So, yeah, I mean, I would pursue it because not that I would necessarily even care about the money. I might just give it to charity, but for him to not have it anymore, for him to go through that suffering. And who who knows that they take enough money away from him. Maybe he'll commit another crime Yeah, and then go to jail for that. That's true. You know, because he'll be desperate and, you know, poverty <laughs> leads to, to crime. That's that's what it is. I didn't think of it that way. That seems a little mm, evil, but sure. Well, the, a lot of justice is about vengeance. <laughs> that's why the death penalty exists. Death penalty is not about justice. It's about exacting vengeance. True. But, I mean, you're right. At least, uh, you know, the city won't burn. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one positive to come out of this, because you know, two children or two not children, but two two adults are dead, and one of them at least had children. Yeah, I was gonna say two children lost their mother. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't remember how many children they had. If it's two, if it's two. Okay. I, I don't know. I thought so. But now but now anyway. now you're having me second guess myself. And OJ lost his wife. You know. So, or his ex-wife. I was going to say, he already lost her a long time ago when they got divorced. And... After he beat her a bunch of times and those 911 uh, tapes got played in the court and apparently that didn't make a difference either. That's I followed this trial super closely. I was so obsessed with this. See, and like, there's a thing right there. Like, there was proof. There's there's proof that he hurt her. Mm-hmm. So, shouldn't he suffer for that, at least? Shouldn't there be something happen to him? Well, he wasn't on trial for spousal abuse. And she never charged him. And spousal abuse apparently is one of those crimes where the person you're abusing has to to complain. Without a complaint, the city can't be a complainant, I guess. That's crazy. Unless they witness it. I think if they witness it, they can. But if they haven't witnessed it, they can't just be like, we're charging you. Right. Mm. But they can for other crimes, like murder. Like cops, like the state doesn't have to witness you killing someone in order to be like, we think you did it, so we're putting you on trial for Well, it. and the dead person can't press charges, so... That's probably part of it, yeah. I don't know. I mean... You don't know. I don't. What do you, how do you feel about it? Um, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I know a lot of black people are happy today. Well, I'm happy for them, I guess. I guess, yeah. And I think... I think part of them fervently believe he didn't do it. And I think part of them are like rich white people get to get get to get away with this all the time. We're celebrating the fact that a rich black person got to get away with it. <laughs> and it's like I get that, but also 
if you're not rich, but you're black, then, you know, like you're missing a key component. <laughs> Unfortunately. To being able to get away with murder. So money factors in a lot more than race. Yeah. Norm MacDonald had the best line on Saturday Night Live. The best line, maybe the best line that's ever been delivered on that show. What was that? Where he does the weekend update segment and he said, well, it's official. Murder is now legal in the state of California. (laughs) Right. Because he has been, you know, he's been the entire time, the entire, this trial that, that Doji's guilty. Mm. And it's, you know. It'll be interesting to see what happens from here on out. I don't know what OJ is going to do. Uh, I would say his career is probably over. Well, maybe. I can't uh... imagine he's going to be in another movie. You know, he was almost in The Terminator. Really? Instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Really? He auditioned for The Terminator. Yeah. Huh. And the uh, the producers decided not to hire him because he didn't look mean enough. Really? That's he funny. Too nice. Well, originally, the Terminator was just supposed to be, and this makes a lot more sense, originally, the Terminator was just supposed to be like a normal dude. Like Michael Bean that plays Kyle Reese in that movie. They thought, like, he like he auditioned for the Terminator, I think. Like, it was going to be him initially. And that makes a lot more sense, because if you're going to make a robot to try to blend in so that they can kill someone covertly, you'd make him look like a normal person. Yeah. And not an enormous Austrian man. <laughs> like, he sticks out like a sore thumb. Right. So, yeah. But no, they didn't go with OJ. They decided to go with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because he looked meaner. And I w- I'm willing to bet anyone that wants that Arnold Schwarzenegger will never murder a human being. <laughs> and OJ probably did. So, Well, I don't know. He could just Wrong crush call. them. He, no, he, I'm he saying he easily, won't. But he could easily. Even I'm, by accident. I, I didn't say he couldn't murder someone. <laughs> I'm saying he won't. Okay. Just roll over on his wife in the middle of the night when he's Oh, when my he's God, sleeping. that bag of bones, Maria Shriver. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I guess he could have tripped and fallen on Danny DeVito when they were filming Twins and crushed him. <laughs> right? Get go. off of me. <laughs> anyway, speaking of comedy, we, we weren't, but this is comedy. Bernie Mac, if you're not familiar with Bernie Mac, he's uh, notable for Deaf Comedy Jam. He's a you know up-and-coming Chicago comedian, stand-up comedian. And he's going to be starring in his new a new HBO show called Midnight Mac. Hmm. Like Midnight Mac and Cheese. That sounds terrible. What, having mac and cheese at midnight? <laughs> well, eating mac and cheese at midnight sounds good. A TV show called Midnight Mac does not. Well, his name's Bernie Mac, so it's Mac at Midnight. Okay. Mac at Midnight might have been better. Yeah, it might have. <laughs> anyway, so it's an African-American comedy variety series. It's going to debut, guess when, at midnight on <laughs> HBO. Uh, Mac's focus is on the funk and fun of an old-fashioned rhythm and blues nightclub, with a comic slipping into the persona of club proprietor and high-energy host. With the most. <laughs> wow. Mike Duffy, man, who wrote this article. Mike Duffy, dude, you you got to update your slang. The host with the most. Your, your Franken slang here from, uh, you know, do that cuckoo square dance thing. No, uh, there's, a, it's, you know, Frank Sinatra, right? Oh, uh, okay, sure. Sinatra has a song for every city 
Okay. That he goes to, you know, Chicago, New York, L.A., my lady. But what do you think he sings when he tours the South? Or like Oklahoma. That weird thing you just sang? Yeah, he's got to do like uh, like square dancing, right? It's like, mm-hmm. turn your partner to and fro. Turn her now and do-si-do. Do that cuckoo square dance thing. Promenade that brought around. Alrighty. Yeah. Grandpa. <clears throat> That's a very funny joke. That plays very well in 1963. Um, there's a 10-man groove thing band, the Mac-Men. What? <laughs> the Mac-Men. No. <laughs> to pump up the beat. And for added visual spice, a hip-shaking female dance troupe called, guess. The Macarenas? <laughs> What is that? No. The the Macatronies. Oh Lord. No, the Mac Mac Macaramonies. Macaramonies. Uh-huh. Wow. The Mac Men has some rules. I don't know. And then it cuts off. Um but anything, because I didn't I didn't uh I'm not turning the page on this one. But Mike Duffy, very good work. Bernie Mac. Do a sitcom. That's what I have to say. Yeah. I don't care about your variety show. Do a situational comedy. Have a family. Sitcoms are better. <laughs> I love sitcoms. Like if I Speaking could... of sitcoms, we didn't watch any we didn't watch a sitcom uh, this week. Nope. What were you gonna say? Was I, am I interrupting you again? Uh huh. That's okay. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, if I could choose, like... But TV, what sitcom should we have what watched? What the hell is the matter with you? Go ahead, go ahead. If you could choose... One kind of TV to watch for the rest of my life, it would be sitcoms. If I could choose one kind of TV to watch the rest of my life, it would be a Samsung. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but I think Carol would go with Zenith. Sure. More than drama, huh? Sitcom more over drama? Yes, for sure. Definitely sitcom over variety. Oh yeah, there are almost no good variety shows. I mean, I like I like drama shows, but like sitcoms are like they feel like home, you know? Yeah, it's like you can imagine you're with family or friends watching it, even if you're not. Sitcoms when you're watching it, you're with family or friends. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> right. It's like the old in the eighties they did this stuff. Where they'd have, guess what's going to be on NBC this season. And it'd be this long extended commercial. I think they used it for the upfronts or whatever. That's where they they present to advertisers, you know, what shows are going to be on. But they do this like whole musical montage number with Bill Cosby and you know, for the Cosby show and cheers and stuff like that. And they'd, right. all, they'd all be doing different things. Like, uh, it'd be raining and it's like, Oh, you know, you're down. What you going to do? But when you get home and you turn on ABC, your friends are with you. And then they, you know, they start to on NBC. We love it. That kind of stuff. Uh, uh-huh. yeah, it's interesting. You know, you've told me about this before, but I don't, remember seeing it like i feel like you imagined it sometimes i wish that there was something some place we could go like a t- tv station that we could go to or if the I- internet could do something like that because i'm sure there are people that have this on tape 
If there was a place where you could put your tapes, you know, your videotapes on the internet, old stuff. Well, how could you possibly do that? Then you could see that. You can't fit a videotape into a computer. There's got to be some way that you could put video onto a computer. Well, you you work on that. You figure that out. All right. Okay. I'll work on it. (laughs) Speaking of tapes, though, videotapes, this week... We watched a movie that was not on videotape. No, but there's videotape in the movie. She's making videotapes. Oh yeah, that's it's part true. of what sinks her. That is true. We watched To Die For with the lovely Nicole Kidman. Yeah, is Nicole Kidman to die for in this movie? Well, she's very pretty. Yeah, I agree. Like the the guy that she marries in the movie says she looks like a China doll. Like I I can see that because her little, skin yeah. her skin is very porcelain. Flawless. Yeah. I want skin like that. All right. Your skin's I'm gonna, good. I'm going to write to her and find out like what her skincare regimen is like. Well, first of all, she sucks the blood out of five versions every <laughs> every week and injects their life force into her body like right. everyone in Hollywood does. Sure. Like you do. So, Tell uh, us about To Die For. Okay. So her husband was in a band. Matt Damon. What? She wasn't married to Matt Damon. Matt Dillon. There you go. <laughs> I don't know who that other person is. <laughs> nope. No clue. So She's married to Matt Dillon. Well, they start dating while he's in a band. Yeah, and she he fucks her by a tree. He does. That's right. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> no, I have some things to say about this movie. Yeah. Because... I think it's more helpful to do it this way than to just go like beat by beat like we do with 90210. Okay. I had a lot of problems with this movie off the off the top. Go for right it. Right at the beginning. I don't like the way it's presented. This was directed by Gus Van Zant, who's most famous for directing the movie My Own Private Idaho, mm-hmm. uh, I think about four years ago. Okay. You didn't see that, did you? No, sir. Never heard of it. Never seen it. Doesn't sound good. Oh, really? Really? You don't think you'd like it? Okay. It's very interesting. I don't know, because I don't know what it's about. No, no, you just assume. But, that yes, you, I did. You, you assume that you're not going to like it. You think it's not good. Let me tell you about my own private Idaho. Please do. It stars River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves. And is about uh, both of them are sex workers, basically, sleeping with both men and women. River Phoenix's character is gay and loves Keanu Reeves. He tries to make several passes at Keanu Reeves throughout the movie. Keanu Reeves says, I only have sex with men for money. Hmm. And his dad is super rich. But he's alienated from his his parents, Keanu Reeves' character. And he says, you know, when I'm 21, I'm going to inherit my my family's fortune and then I'm going to stop doing all this. Okay. And River Phoenix's big, like, driving force throughout the movie is he's looking for his mother. So they go to Idaho. They find out she went to Rome. They go to Rome to look for her. Wow. It's like a it's whole thing. And the two of them, like, travel together. Throughout the entire movie. That so, sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm yeah. sorry, but like Idaho, as in like the state, like where potatoes come from, does not sound exciting. So 
that's what connection my brain made. He keeps River Phoenix's character keeps having these narcoleptic fits too, where he'll just he just falls asleep and Ooh. then he flashes to like his mother taking care of him or stuff like that. Sounds dangerous. Oh, it is. So the same guy that directed that movie directed this movie. Correct. And you saw this movie. My own private I don't. Uh, yeah. And you liked it. Yeah, and okay. you would too. Okay. But the beginning of this movie I don't like because, first of all, this movie clearly, and it's sort of like with Serial Mom and a couple other movies that have come out recently, uh-huh. seem to be playing on this idea of violence as like a commodity or these kind of stories like a commodity. Because there's the OJ thing, uh, Lorena Bobbitt's, Cutting off her husband's penis. There's the Joey Buttafuoco thing uh, with Mary Kay Letourneau and, and all that stuff. And then um, Tanya Harding. That's the other one that I couldn't think of. But all these like scandalous things have right. come out recently. And they've been big business. People have sold their stories and stuff like that for TV movies of the week and, and all that stuff. And these movies seem to be playing on that. That idea of scandals like this that become, they make celebrities out of people who are probably awful people. Right. And the whole beginning of this movie is shot like a documentary Mm -hmm. where the sister comes and she talks about, you know, when she first met Nicole Kidman's character, you know, and um, what's her name? Suzanne Stone. Yes. When she first met her and how Matt Dillon first met her and everything. Um, and then they talk about the parents are the parents are on this talk show, this talk show together where they're talking about the whole situation and everyone's kind of talking directly to the camera. We also have uh, Suzanne, you know, Nicole Kidman, Suzanne Stone also talking directly to the camera. Yeah. And because she's making a documentary. She's not the she's not the one filming the rest of this. No, no. But when she's talking directly to the camera, I, I think she's speaking to the camera as being part of the documentary she's making because she's making a different documentary. Well, she's making something. It's a docudrama. I guess she's making something where she's trying to sell it to reporters and stuff like yeah. that. But you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Like I don't understand this. I do understand it. I don't think it's the best way to structure a movie like this. I didn't like it. Okay. It takes me out of. It takes me out of it. Everything seemed very disjointed. That's for sure. It did. It was very because because they didn't put things in order. Yeah. It was almost Pulp Fictiony, but way too much and way too fast. Yes. Yes, I can see that. I can see a. I can see a Pulp Fiction influence in that way, at least in the editing of this movie. But yeah, I didn't. And like you said, I mean, if they if they ordered it a little bit differently or if they had had some, I think what this movie needed at the beginning and it gets more of this towards the end, which I think is what makes makes the movie, the movie, the second half of the movie is better than the first half. For sure. They needed longer takes. Mm -hmm. There's too many short takes of, you know, a scene where. You know, they, they, they're bowling or something like that. And it's a scene that might last like two minutes. And then they cut to another talking head or whatever you want to call it, where they're just, you know, sitting there talking directly to the camera. And it's too, it's too quick. It's too disjointed. It doesn't feel like a movie. Yeah. And I didn't, 
I didn't like that. It took me, it, you know, like it, it, it jarred me. So that was my big criticism with it early on. Okay. But then as the movie, like I said, as the movie kind of, the movie almost sort of like settled down in itself mm-hmm. <laughs> as it, because a lot of that beginning seemed almost like artifice. It almost seemed like let's, let's stage all these things. It didn't seem like a natural flow of stuff. And the movie gets into a more natural flow where I think at the beginning, this is what I, this is what I think I'm trying to say. I think at the beginning, the idea, or at least Gus Van Zandt, what he was trying to accomplish, I don't know. But I think what the idea was is the talking head parts took prominence over the movie. And later in the movie, the movie took prominence over the talking heads to where they they would say something in the movie in a talking head thing. And then Gus Van Zandt would say, OK, now we need a scene of that. Right. And they would show some scene. And sometimes they were comic like uh, where where what's his name? The guy from uh, the RoboCop movie, the Bettinger or whatever, the, the bad guy from RoboCop. The guy with the, the that played Nicole Kidman's dad. Okay, he I think his name is Kerwood Smith or something like that. He um, he was saying like you know she liked him because someone's the her sister who we never saw we only saw in that one scene Nicole Kidman's sister she was like oh, I forgot she had a sister she was like she liked she liked danger or something like that or whatever. And he's like, well, you know, like he disagrees at first. And he's like, yeah, I guess it was danger or whatever. And they show a scene of like them banging against a tree in mm-hmm. public, like like uh, I mentioned. And then, so sometimes it's funny like that. Sometimes it's just to kind of solidify what was being said in The Talking Head. But it seems like the actual movie parts were there to support the documentary style shots. Right. But later in the movie, the movie's taking precedent, and those talking heads only come up when they add something to the scene. Okay. And if they had done that in the beginning, where it's like, let's have the movie part of this take precedent, and then when it adds something, because we want this kind of feel where it's like a documentary, when that adds something to it, then we'll go to those kind of shots. But instead, it's like I said, instead it was the opposite. It was like, let's do these type of shots, and then when we need movie parts to to amplify that, we'll put them in. That makes sense. I mean, like, overall, I really, like, I walked away feeling like I enjoyed the movie. Mm -hmm. But I get what you're saying about the beginning. It was almost a little bit jarring at Mm -hmm. times, for sure. It's choppy. Some some weird editing moments and stuff like that. And I got confused about, like, the order things were happening in sometimes, or like... Mm -hmm. Like, they got married, and then they're on their honeymoon, but then they're talking about stuff later. and Yeah, well, they don't, because they don't show everything at the beginning, too. Like you said, they'll show, they would show a scene, and then they would show the scene from a different perspective, mm-hmm. and it would give new context to it and everything, because they, they go to Florida for their honeymoon, and it's because, she doesn't tell them this, but it's because there's some big television conference there because Nicole Kidman's whole motivation in the entire movie is she wants to be famous. She wants to be on TV no matter what. She thinks anyone that isn't on TV is a loser, that you have to be famous, you have to be on TV. That's, she seems almost like a sociopath. That's her only goal. She doesn't yeah. care about anything else in the world. 
And she's got her husband, like, so just wrapped around her finger mm-hmm. and, and, like, into her own delusional beliefs about herself. Like, And her, her family, his, like, his family owns at least one restaurant. Yeah. And they have some decent amount of money and apparently some mob ties. Right. But, like, she got him to go out boating without her on their honeymoon because she's going to be on TV and she can't tan. She's not even on mm-hmm. TV yet. She frames it like it's for him. Like, I know you like fishing, so you go out and do this. Yeah. And I'll just do whatever. And that's when she goes to this conference and she sees that one guy speaking. And he's talking about how television's the future and everything. And then she ends up having dinner with him and some other people. And they're talking and everything. And he basically tells a story about how this woman uh, came from like the Midwest and she was the local weather girl. And she brought this this letter with her. And she was do, doing this audition for some national thing or some national news thing. And she gave the letter to this guy and it was like, you know, from the producer of her little local station that said, it said something to the effect of, I don't remember exactly how it went, but it said something to the effect of, you know, to whomever reads this letter, you know, this woman's incredibly qualified. She's very hard working, blah, blah, blah. And most importantly, she will suck your cock until your eyes roll back in your head or whatever. Right. And, the guy was like, so, you know, she got hired or whatever. And he said years later, they talked to the, uh, he saw the producer and he was like, said something about the letter. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? I never wrote any kind of letter. And Nicole Kidman's character is so dumb. She doesn't get it. She's like, oh, so who wrote the letter? Yeah. And he was like, she did. Or she's like, why? Why didn't he remember it? And she goes, because he never wrote the letter. And he's like, oh. Who did? Like, yeah. She wrote the letter. And then he whispers in that, you know, who that became. And he like whispers a name and she's like, oh no, my gosh. Who do you think he was referring to? Like, who do you think the movie's referring to? Barbara Walters? Uh, I don't think she's East Coast. Mm. I think she's, I mean, I don't think she's Midwest. I think she's East Coast. Okay. I think they're referring to, uh, she's the newer on the, what is it? I think it's the Today Show. Uh, Katie Couric. Okay. I think that's who they're referring to. Maybe. But I think she's Midwest. Here's my here's my question. Okay. Obviously it's not true, but later she is interviewing for a weather girl position. Mm-hmm. Well no, she's not. She's no, interviewing she, for a for, gopher yeah, position. For a gopher position for at a, a local, local cable. cable show. Yeah. And she has a letter in her purse that mm-hmm. she almost gives the guy and doesn't and she, then tears she, it up. She almost gives it to Newman from Seinfeld. Yeah. I mean, like, she didn't even get it, but now she's going to copy it. I don't I don't understand. Like, why? I think the lesson that she took from that meeting is that's how you get ahead is by offering yourself sexually. And my other question, because that guy who she had dinner with, who was talking to her, he's got his hand on her leg and he's like, "Mm, what do you think about this story? Yeah. Okay, But. He didn't do anything for her career. That's what I was that's what I was wondering too. So did she do something with him? It seems very much implied that she had sex with him. I don't know. 
I mean, it, she was trying to make a connection. That was the whole reason she went. She was trying to make a connection mm-hmm. for her career. Nothing came up. So maybe they had sex and he just went, huh, cool. <laughs> she, was, she was too dumb to get anything from it. Yeah. I don't know. She was not the smartest person in the world. She was not very smart at all. She did a lot of dumb things. Yes. As, as the movie goes on. But yeah, she she goes for this job. She uh, she decides to rip the letter up, and she gets the job anyway. They say they say that they call her gangbusters behind her her back. I don't get it. I don't either. And I mean, I've got it. I'm starting to think it's because they like gang banged her. No, no, because I don't think so. Because <laughs> they like. She doesn't give him the letter. She's about to give him the letter. But she Newman doesn't, from right? Seinfeld. And then he's like, well, you know, he's my partner or whatever. And she looks. And I think she's like, oh, I'm not willing to do two guys at once. <laughs> so she puts the letter back in her purse. And then she ends up ripping it up. And at, right after she left, he looks at the guy and he's like, gangbusters. And that doesn't, like, something that's going gangbusters is, like, going really good or whatever. Like, I don't know if it's because, like... She, um, she's like a real go-getter or something. Like, I don't get it. Huh. I don't get the joke. No. Because I thought that, I thought maybe it was, um, you know, like, a, a gangbang, like, reference, but I don't think so. Hmm. And as far as I know, it's just like someone who's very suspect, sus- uh, sus- very successful. Like, I wasn't with that sentence. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, they hire her to be their gopher and know that she's going to be career-driven and stuff, and she is. Yeah, and I guess maybe that's what they were talking about, is that she's, like, super career-driven? I don't know. I don't know why they think that's an insult, then, either. Like, Was I, it supposed to be? Well, he said that they don't call her that in front of her face. Oh, I don't know. So, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, Newman I don't, from I don't Seinfeld, whole... if you're listening... <laughs> write to us and explain to us what the fuck that means. I didn't get that whole exchange. But she gets promoted to Weather Girl. Yeah. she's Well, she's got a bunch of ideas that she brings to him. Like mm-hmm. about a kid's TV show that she could host, about uh, the, the documentary series that she wants to make with the kids that she ends up kind of doing. And, yeah, the weather thing. Like, eventually, he, she wears him down to the weather thing. Some of the ideas that she brought up were not bad ideas. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the documentary, though, do you think that was something she was doing for them, though? Like, mm-hmm. it, oh, it seemed like such a personal, like, project. I didn't even really realize. I thought she was just using their equipment. No, she she did it for them. Uh, for She was doing it for the station, so it would air on the station. Okay. And... She he even like he even mentions when later when the cops take the the things she even mentions you know those are my tapes and he's like well technically they belong to the station you know which is true because she was doing it for them and so she was doing this teen documentary mm-hmm. which I don't understand the point of the documentary either I think well okay so she she wears them down and becomes the weather girl so she gives one weather report every night on this local cable station there's no report by the way there's no like we don't see anything else they they program right so i don't know if they buy the rights to like older movies and they show movies a lot during the day or something like that on it or if they are an affiliate for like certain um what's the word i'm looking for syndicated shows you know and stuff like that maybe they do that i don't know but 
they don't seem to have a big production studio. No, for sure. And yeah, so she she does the weather once a night on there, and then I think the point of the whole kids docu series thing was that she wanted to talk candidly to teenagers about their lives, about mm-hmm. drugs, about sex, about things that meant something to them. And I think that was the whole point of it. Okay. Unfortunately, she becomes way too much a part of their lives. Well, she yes, she does very much become a part of their lives. And she gets pissed off at her husband because her husband's like, hey, we're opening up a new restaurant and we need like some kind of entertainment thing. Or what, what did he want her to do? He wanted to do some sort of oh, entertainment thing at the restaurant. They were going to have like a, a variety show and, and she would record it. And she would like they'd have different people perform and she'd record it and sell them the tapes of them performing. I think that was it. Yeah. And then he's like, because, you know, this weather thing's not going to lead to anything and yeah. and stuff like that. And then that way you can be with me like a family's supposed to be because he wants kids. She doesn't want kids. And he grew up with his parents owning mm-hmm. a business together, working together. And so he thinks that if he's going to own the business, she should be with him like his mom's with his dad. Exactly. And the whole time the the camera like like slowly dissolves to where it's a small little circle, like a like she's down a tunnel, yeah. you know. And yeah, so it's clear that she's she doesn't like this. And he says something like, oh, you know, this weather thing's not going to lead to anything. And. And yeah, so she's very upset about this whole situation. It's like it's like the walls were closing in, mm-hmm. and yeah. So she says to one of the kids, one of the kids is played by uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who was a little boy in the movie Parenthood. Yeah. Uh, and also the younger brother of River Phoenix, who, who Gus Van Zandt worked with in My Own Private Idaho, who, as you all know, tragically died a couple of years ago from sad. a heroin overdose. But... He's the teenage kid that eventually, you know, he's very sweet on her. He also seems, you mentioned this too, and I think you're right. He also seems like he has some sort of mental problem. Like a, like a, like not severe, but like a mild form of retardation or some kind of something. He's not exactly all there. Yeah. I mean, she's not the brightest, but he's, I mean, definitely... Mm-hmm. He's he's definitely very slow. At one point, he's like, "I used to not even care about the weather, but now, uh, after meeting Suzanne, if it's sunny or it snows or it rains and thunders, I have to masturbate." That's like, well, that's all the weather. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. But yeah, so she ends up. I don't think she didn't fall in love with him. No. He fell in love with her. She very clearly used him and starts having sex with him and stuff like that and says, hey, you need to kill my husband. And she makes up this story about how he was abusive to her and everything. And she's like, you, you know, you got to do this. You got to free me. He, he comes up with the idea on his own. Well, yeah, he's well, she says about abusive. He's like, he doesn't deserve to live, you know. Yeah, she's very, like, she's very manipulative. She's leading the horse to the water. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he willingly takes a drink. I don't... Well, yeah. I think he deserves what he gets, kind of. Because he, yeah. he did well, choose he's the, to do this. He's the one that did it, yeah. So, I, I agree. 
But yeah, she she was playing him and setting him up to get rid of her husband for it. Absolutely. Why didn't she just divorce her husband? That's what I don't get. What does she get out of staying married to him and becoming his widow? He's not super rich. I don't know. You're you're right. I, I don't understand. Like she could have divorced even if he was super rich. She could take part of it. They've yeah. been married for long enough. And they, well, they'd only been married a year. He got killed on their one year wedding anniversary. Right. But yeah, but still. I just, I don't know. She seemed, I mean, like, maybe it doesn't even occur to her she can get a divorce because she's so stupid. I, I, <laughs> maybe, don't I don't know. Like, know. She really is, like, a dumb blonde or strawberry blonde or whatever. <laughs> and then the one girl mentions that she was sexually abused. There's, like, two boys and a girl that yeah. volunteer. There's some dark shit under the surfaces. This this movie has, like, a... I mean, it's not a happy movie, necessarily, like obviously, but it has this veneer because mm-hmm. we all kind of see it through her eyes. It has this veneer of like like a candy coating almost to where it's like, oh, you know, everything's kind of happy still and everything. And I'm going to talk like this and all that kind of stuff. Right. But underneath it, which isn't explored very much, and I think that's on purpose, is some dark fucking shit. Yeah. Because like you said, this this kid obviously has something mentally wrong with him that is never that's not diagnosed or talked about he's not getting any help for oh and he never will because you know he ends up in prison for life this little this plus 30 years if he lives that long he says (laughs) right and this girl like you said was abused by her uncle or whatever her mom's boyfriend her mom's boyfriend yes sexually abused many times and then she ended up getting her mom's gun right Mm -hmm. and telling him to leave her alone or whatever and he did so in her telling her telling Suzanne this story she reveals that she has access to a gun Mm -hmm. and her little ears perk up not oh how can I help this poor troubled soul oh hey what can I get from her right and the other guy the other teenager is a young dude named Casey Affleck and I don't know what I guess maybe he's just he seems the most normal and adjusted of them. He makes a lot of sexual comments towards her and yeah. things like that. He's very rude and everything, but he seems I guess the most normal. He gets beaten by Buck Henry a bunch of times. Yeah, the principal beats him up like that's normal or something. That's not normal. Kids, if your principals are t- putting their hands on you, it's not okay. Yeah. No matter what the reason. But he seems the probably the most well-adjusted of them. I guess. I guess. I mean, he's not in the movie as much because mm. no, he he choose he's willing to do it for a thousand dollars. He doesn't need to be fucked, <laughs> right? Can you imagine if that like she had to do that too? Oh, she God. totally would have. Oh, she would have. I think she would have had sex with all those kids. Mm-hmm. Well, she says too. She says like something about her like lesbian tendencies. To the girl. Oh, I don't remember that. It's a very quick line, but she says something about her lesbian tendencies. And she tries on a bunch of bras and panties in front of her. Yeah. We know the camera is panned down, so we don't see anything. We don't see any skin, but that presumably the girl did. Yeah, that's true. So I think that was her trying to like, like, you know, like titillate her too. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. She's a fucking weirdo, dude. <laughs> So she just uses her body to get what she wants from everybody. Mm-hmm. There is this one scene in the movie where she's dancing in the rain uh-huh. to Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, yeah. Weird. Weird choice. And, uh, you know, I mean, she's a very attractive woman. I, I get that. I still don't see it as much. No? No. 
I she's think fine. She's, hot. she's okay. She's not ugly. She's not my type. She's very thin. She's got curves though. Mm, not really. Okay. I mean a little. But I don't know the uh, the kid that ends up falling in love with her and stuff. Joaquin Phoenix. He he's gonna hold on to that memory for the rest of you know life plus thirty years. I guess so. Every time it rains. <laughs> Or it's sunny. <laughs> um, or it snows. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, obviously he ends up doing it. He kills her or kills him. I mean, kills the, the husband. Yeah, the husband. The husband doesn't seem to think that his life is in danger during the exchange. He's not worried in any way. He's just like, here, take my Rolex. Yeah, here's Rolex. a Rolex. Here's some money. You know, and they're like, okay, we want the ring. And he goes, no, my wife will kill me if I give the string away. And Joaquin Phoenix, like, you can see for the briefest moment, he's hesitant. Yeah. Because he's like, she'll kill you. Like, he's like, because he's realizing. Wow, yeah, that was intelligent for him. He's realizing that this guy is not acting with the kind of rage that a person that abuses their their wife would in this situation. And he does hesitate. His friend is there Mm -hmm. like, do it, do it. Come on, do it. And then she's on the news giving the weather report and everything because that's her alibi is oh, I couldn't have done it. I was on the news mm-hmm. like conspiracy to commit murder isn't, you know, a crime or something like that. Not that it matters because, no. you know, she doesn't even get a chance to get charged even though she is a suspect. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, she's a suspect for a long time, but she makes up this story. I think this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. She makes up the story about her husband that he was a cocaine addict mm-hmm. and that these guys dealt cocaine to him. And then when he wanted to stop doing cocaine and get clean and he was threatening to like turn them into the police. So that's why they killed him. Stupid lie to tell easily debunked. Why? I mean, and why, why would she, why? And and, like I said, this is all she had to do. She never gave the thousand dollars to that Casey Affleck kid. She, never was on tape saying or doing anything else. All she had to do. And she, and like, she didn't ask the girl for the gun. Mm-hmm. She had Joaquin Phoenix ask the girl for the gun. All she had to do was say, I am ashamed, but I had an illicit affair with this teenage boy. I, I, you know, I was making a documentary. We grew very close. I felt isolated in my marriage. I was working long hours um, I, you know, there was things that I wasn't happy about or whatever. Right. We had a relationship, you know, I was unfaithful to my husband, which I will forever be remorseful for. And apparently, you know, he, be- this boy became obsessed with me when I tried, I tried to break it off and tell him we can't see each other anymore. That, you know, I wanted to try to reconcile things with my husband. He became enraged and apparently knew someplace to get a gun, got a gun, killed him. I didn't tell him to do it. I didn't pay anyone to do it. I wasn't involved in any way. Now, it doesn't look perfect for her, but it's an easy cover. Here's the thing, though. I don't think that would have saved her. What are you talking about? What ends up getting her is that she pisses off his family with that lie about the cocaine so Mm -hmm. much that they have her killed. I think admitting that she cheated on him might have had the same result. I don't know. I don't know about that. 
Well, I mean... But anyway, Cher's dad from uh, from Clueless, who plays his dad. Yes. He gets pissed off. He destroys the TV after she tells this lie with a baseball bat. And then it's very clear that the entire family knows about this. Mm-hmm. He makes a call to a dude who lies and says that he's uh, some Hollywood producer. She's so dumb that she just believes that they're going to do something that has to do with Hollywood production at this abandoned farmhouse on a fucking lake. Yeah. I don't understand why she went. He's just like, Oh, come with me and smiling and they're mm-hmm. laughing and stuff. And, and it's like, why are you laughing? He didn't say anything funny. Nothing funny is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she just goes. She just goes with him, and he he leads her down under a bridge and 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 shoots her. Yeah, I don't know if he shoots her or not, but he kills her in some way. Does he shoot her? Does they show the shooting? I thought there was a gunshot. No, I don't remember. Maybe not. She screams. I know that. Oh, maybe he stabs her. Maybe he strangles her. Who knows? But he he kills her, and then he puts her in the ice. Yeah, because it was out like on. I think it was a ice fishing hut. It's not an ice fishing hut. It's huge. Those ice fishing huts are small. Well, it's, it's a on fucking barn. Ice, but it's on ice. No, it was next to the ice. It's on a lake. I it's off. The, it's off the shore of this frozen lake. What I want to know is how the fuck he got her in that ice because that lake was frozen when he got there. And did then, he really pick through the ice to place her body in there? Which seems really like that's not a great way to dispose of a body. I mean, like it's gonna thaw. Yeah, and it shows his sister, who is a, a figure skater, mm-hmm. ice skating on the frozen lake mm-hmm. over her body, like yeah. you know, some all kind smiling of and happy. But that's how the movie ends. Actually, it's just gonna her body will be preserved in the ice, in the cold, in the frozenness mm. until it thaws, and then they'll find her body and they'll know it's been there and they'll know she's been missing and they'll put it all together. Well, they're the mob. They're not gonna get found out about it they're not going to have the evidence okay or they'll have someone in the police organization that they can pay off or whatever i guess it's not it's it'll be fine the the kid who killed her husband uh left his fingerprints all over the gun right and then his buddy left seashells and shit yeah he works out in like doing like what is he doing he's out in the lake i I think they're they're Doing like they're crabbing or lobstering or yeah. something like that. Yeah, something. So yeah, he he had shells. Because it's like they're in Boston or something like that. They're New Hampshire or whatever. They're 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 on the East Coast. So yeah, so both of the friends of the boy who actually pulls the trigger made deals. Mm-hmm. So they're not gonna end up in prison with him. It's just him. He's the only one in prison, but she's dead. Yeah. And that's how it ends. I mean, the husband's dead, the wife's dead, and the lover's in prison. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty down ending. Yeah. For cuz I mean, we're following her character through the not that we're sympathetic to her character. No, not at all. But I mean, the people that really end up getting justice is the parents and the sister, I guess. I guess, but I mean, I guess And they lost their son and brother. Slash brother. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she was so upset when she got the call that she fainted. Yeah. She loved her brother. And that mom was yeah. like sc- screamed. Yeah, that was that was some good acting. Was, yeah, some good off camera acting. There was some really heavy, heavy emotions uh, momentarily in this otherwise fairly, still fairly light movie. I mean, it is fair. It's weirdly it's, light yeah. for as, as insidious as everything under the surface is. 
It really does have like a candy coating of brightness over it. Yeah. But I I enjoyed it. Overall, I think it's worth seeing. But it's but just know it's got some problems at the beginning. Yes. At the beginning, there are some editing and pacing problems. Uh, a little bit of structure structural problems at the beginning of the movie. But it everything smooths out as it goes along. You know, it seems like in the beginning they're doing a documentary talking about what happened. Like, but we never see it or who's filming. But then then she's filming a documentary later. And so that part gets a little confusing, too, because there's Mm -hmm. two different documentaries happening in the same movie. Yeah. Did that did that tape somehow survive her? Did they edit that footage into the footage that we're seeing? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It makes it doesn't make a lot of sense. But but yeah, that's uh, that is to die for. So I, I think it's worth a see, but you could probably wait for it to come out on video. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's worth it to see it in the theater if you're if you're interested in seeing it. It's a good movie. It's not the best movie I've seen this year, but it's a good movie. Really? After you spent all that time talking about the pacing problems and you know all that stuff, you're gonna say you'd see it in the theater still? Yeah, I'm. It's it has problems at the beginning, but overall, it's a good movie. And it, like I said, the problems kind of smooth themselves out as the movie goes along. I'd rather it. I'd rather a movie have like a bad first, you know, twenty or twenty-five minutes. Not that it's necessarily bad, but like I, I rather a movie have a pro- problems in the first twenty or twenty-five minutes than the last, you know, twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah, because it definitely it definitely finds its footing as it goes along. Okay, but that is the episode for this week, Carol. So you know what to do. You know, tell your friends and give us the stars and. You can write us at latefee1994 at AOL.com. Mm-hmm. And you can check out our website, retrolatefee.com. Yeah. Tell one friend about the show. Spread the word. Make us the most popular thing in the world. <laughs> Do it. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.